are the content rebels. We've got zero time for busy work that masquerades as marketing, and we're done with losing the impact of our big message just to satisfy some SEO or social media algorithm rules. This is a show about marketing for established soloish entrepreneurs who want to build real relationships with clients online. Join me each week as we make your content work for you. Hey y'all, so we are going to start a mini series all about how we can make content work for us in this age of AI. And I know that I have already shared thought leadership in the age of AI. You can think of that as like a soft start to this little mini series here. For the next three weeks, I'm just going to cover a couple topics. And today we're going to talk a little bit about information gain. Yes, that sounds like some term that some marketer or some tech pro made up. I totally understand. But information gain is actually going to be something that should give you some hope. Yes, as a small, solo-ish business, established or not, you are playing in the world of content against some very noisy players. How are you going to stand out? How are you going to get ahead? That's what we're talking about today. And the answer is information gain. But first, I want to give you a few stats. All right, Anne Handley, the great Anne Handley, shared this link to Clutch.co. It's a whole finding they did on a survey about small businesses and AI. And the findings of this article I found most relevant here are that 82% of business leaders believe AI will disrupt their biz over the next five years. And 84% of small businesses that currently use AI tools plan to continue using them in the future. So let's break that down real quick here. 82% of us small business leaders, and that includes people who have 50-person businesses, of course. I know we're talking about people who have, you know, one to three people in their business, but small businesses, right? 82% of us believe that AI will disrupt our business. And even so, 84% of us currently using AI will continue to use it in the first place, knowing that it's going to disrupt how and probably when, where, and why we do our business work, right? That is something important to know. We all know it's going to be a game changer, and yet we're doing it anyway. We're using it anyway. So with that question, how do we use it anyway and stay ahead? How do we use AI tools or compete against those who are using AI tools and still maintain relevance? We're creating content not just to create busy work for ourselves, but to actually create an impact, help our audience, help our audience well enough so that they see us as the next step in achieving whatever goal that they're currently looking at. With all of that information, let's hop over to the Animals blog. It's animals.co. I will link it in the show notes. And I'm going to read you a little bit at the beginning of an article that is entitled, The Winner Doesn't Take It All, Information Gain and the New Future of SEO. Now, this article was written over a year ago in 2022. I think this might give you some hope here. Content marketing today is a story of underdogs and goliaths, of upstart brands trying to compete with industry giants, or else fighting over the scraps they leave behind. You know what this feels like when every topic, every keyword, every conceivable avenue of growth is already dominated by an oligopoly of big, well-known brands. Their content is long and comprehensive. It's immaculately search-optimized, and if we're honest, it's pretty darn similar to the content we had in mind. 
there was a time when it would have been wise to chalk the scenario up as a loss and focus on another keyword that lacked so much competition. But in a world where dozens of brands compete over the same lucrative keywords, you can't afford to do that. White space is becoming rarer and rarer. Ignore crowded search results and you'll soon have no keywords left to target. All right, I'm going to stop reading there and let's talk about this a little bit, okay? Let's talk about this idea that, well, yeah, there's a lot less keyword availability for you to target. I don't know that you're necessarily using keyword optimization tools. I'm assuming you have an awareness of them and that they exist. Let's just start there, right? You decide you want to create some sort of content. Uh, The content I recently created that would fall under this category of not knowing how to search optimize it is my recent podcast episode and therefore blog post on what I have learned about creating better content from bad podcast pitches. Now that is a long tail keyword. What I've learned about creating better content from bad podcast pitches. That's a lot of words, right? Odds are, if somebody typed that exact phrase into Google, I would pop up because that's such a long phrase. But the reality of someone doing that, like the realistic odds of someone typing that whole long phrase and exactly like that are, are pretty slim. I could probably dominate that particular keyword phrase, but there's not going to be a whole lot of people searching for it. So, so how would I optimize that article? That was a question I actually asked myself several weeks ago. And um, the answer I came up with was, I'm just going to create good content whether it is search-friendly or not. For that particular topic, I couldn't find a relevant set of keywords that already had search volume that I could, you know, search on and rank against. So I just created good content. And that was okay, because that particular topic needed to be addressed. And this, friends, this right here, is how you as a small service provider business can compete This is how you can create content that will rank well for a particular topic, but also keeping in mind that ranking well is not your primary reason for creating content. This right here, this is how we as a small service provider business address SEO as we move forward from the emergence of ChatGPT. And I say that because that article that I quoted from, from animals.co, it was written over a year ago before ChatGPT became common language and publicly available to everyone you know, right? <laughs> so when we're talking about information gain for the very small service provider, what I want you to consider is this. People are using AI. You might be using AI. So if you're going to use it, use it well. And, and with that, let's talk a little bit about information gain and SEO as we move forward from ChatGPT. This is the goal of this episode. We need to look at the content that we are creating and say, even if it doesn't rank in the top 10 on Google, which is not the only goal, but certainly a goal for someone creating content for their business, even if it does not rank in that top 10 spot, what am I adding What am I giving of value? Not just information that they could Google from any of these other top 10 listings, but what value am I adding to what is already out there? That is information gain. And that is how you can play your little David game, you know, against the Goliaths of the world. If you are trying to rank on content marketing terms, like I tend to look for with my content, right? You're never going to like be out contentmarketinginstitute.com, digitalmarketinginstitute.com. Like I'm, I'm never going to beat those guys. They're huge. They have so much domain authority. They have so many backlinks. So how can I add something that isn't just regurgitating a version of what they've already created? 
I don't have a staff of 20 or 100 working on articles for me. I am me. I create my own content. And whether you have someone helping you with that or not, you're still a a very small business compared to these people. What can you, with your unique perspectives, uh, whatever unique frameworks that you offer, any, you know, client stories that you have, what are these things that you can add that nobody else can add? How can you add in a beneficial way? Think of it this way. What information will they, your audience, gain as a result of your content piece that they could not gain from the top 10 content pieces of a similar nature found on Google or Bing or wherever? And since you know I love thinking about building an audience of thinkers, will the info that you are sharing cause them to think differently about the problem that they have already? I want you to think about this really deeply for a second. Just pause if you need to, right? How can you add something that's not only different from those top 10 listings, but something that will get your people thinking differently enough about the problem so that they realize this conclusion that you've led them to is only possible from you and not from those top 10 listings? I read plenty of articles and Look, I even read this article that I quoted quoted here. I read both the Clutch article and the Animals article, and I'm using them and now taking further insight on those and sharing them with you because I think this is a relevant topic we need to address, not only here on the Know, Like, and Trust show, but in the broader service provider content creation world. We are never going to be able to compete, so how can we get them to say things like, most people do it this way. I don't want to do it this way, so I'm going to do it that way. Or this is really common to see, but what you really need is, and then you lead them into a new conclusion, right? Uh, Stories are going to help you drive the point home here. Jay Kunzo, who I love dearly and have been following for a while, I'm in his creator kitchen mastermind with Mel Diesel. He talks about storytelling and like leading people to a conclusion with the phrase, that's the thing about dot, dot, dot. I love that phrase because I've been using it for years. I've been using stories to lead you on to new ideas for quite some time. And because I've been doing that, it's already second nature to me. When I write an email to my audience, I often start with a personal story. Sometimes it's about my kids. Sometimes it's about chickens. Lately, it might be about canning vegetables because apparently that's my world now. <laughs> but whatever it is, I'm learning a new process. I'm relating something I learned through the discovery of that process to content. In fact, that episode that I referenced earlier, how I learned to create better content from all of these horrible, bad podcast pitches I'm receiving. That right there is an example of me using a personal story to relate a lesson that will help you create better content down the road. When I'm doing this, I'm not only doing it to serve you, I'm also teaching you how to do it yourself. We need to create ways, methods, systems, and processes in our content creation world in our businesses that help us do this on a regular basis. When I say that we want to step off the content creation hamster wheel, part of doing that is realizing that we have already created a lot of content and we just need to go and make it better. We can make it better by adding stories in, by personally relating things, by getting our audience to think differently about their problem. And as a result of doing those three things, making information gain a part of our content creation process. At this point, we are now not just creating content to check a task off the list. We're not just doing busy work. We are now creating content to help our people. And 
we're creating content that adds to the plethora of content pieces out there already and not just creating more noise. That is my goal for you. So as we continue on this little mini series about how we can approach SEO in this age of AI and how we can approach SEO as small service providers who don't really want to make SEO a big part of our business, but still recognize it's something we kind of have to pay attention to. That is the point of this episode. How can we add real value and not just contribute more noise to this content world out there? All right, friends, that is it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it and uh, come back for the next two weeks of a little mini series on SEO in the age of AI for the very small business creating content to engage with clients online. If you found value from this episode, there are two things you can do to thank me. The first is share it with a friend. If you enjoyed this episode, you learned something from it, odds are you know somebody who needs to hear this message. I do truly believe that a rising tide lifts all boats. And if you help that friend with something that they need to do, we're going to have less crappy marketers out there, which means less scams, and we get to help more people in those ways that we uniquely are meant to help them. The second thing you can do is leave a rating on whichever podcast app you are listening to the show on right now. Doing that helps me reach more people, getting, again, this same great information out there, and we all make a better, happier, effective, and ethical world as a result. Thanks so much. See you next week.